Welcome to episode one of our new podcast here on the Heartland Sports Network. I am your host, Eric G. If you don't know who I am, I work at 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I co-host The Pat Jones Show. And real quick, shameless self-promotion, you can listen to us every day from 11 to 2, either on our website at sportsanimalradio.com. If you're in Tulsa, it's at 97.1. And uh, we've also got an app, so I would encourage you to go to the Google Play or the Apple App Store Download that to your phone, and then you can listen to us, and you can also listen to Sam Mays and John Hoover from 9 to 2. I'll tell you a little bit more about that as the show goes on. Um, to Real quick, just to set this up, since this is the introductory podcast, I don't like taking up a lot of your time, and I feel like I'm already doing that now, but if you're wondering what's going to separate us from every other podcast you hear that is OU-centric or OSU-centric, I promise you, None will be more opinionated and none will take your feedback more into consideration. So as this grows and evolves, your feedback is important. Tell me what you want to hear more of. Tell me what you want to hear less of. If there are certain players, certain coaches you want to hear from, guys from the past, we'll dig them up. We will do that for you. So with that in mind, make sure you like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And then, hey, listen every week because we'll drop these every single Wednesday. And um, we'll make sure that you get from door to door when hearing a complete show. Okay, we promise that as well. An opinionated, compacted podcast, which is what you need today. Not an hour and a half of people droning on, glossing themselves, talking about how great they are as opposed to giving you the information you want. So with all that said, let's dive right into it. And the big news this week really isn't big news at all. In fact, we knew it was coming. We found out that both OU and Texas aren't likely to leave for the SEC until about 2024 or until 2024. But we knew this was coming for a while. We knew that there was going to be a a time or at least some time for OU to stay in the Big 12 and unfortunately have to play the likes of BYU, possibly Cincinnati, and Houston. And let's face it, if you're an OU fan, you're not excited about that at all. In fact, you're probably more excited about getting a rash on your balls than you are about having to play any one of these schools because OU is it's just a hell of a lot better than that. All right? You want to play big-time schools. That's what the SEC is for. And yes, eventually you're going to make that jump. But as of now, it's going to cost OU $80 million to get out of their deal with the Big 12. Even if they were to stay until 2025, it's still going to cost them $80 million. For Texas, it's not a big deal. They'll just take the check that they get from ESPN, which they are owed about $115 million from the Longhorn Network. They'll turn around, they'll give that to them, and then they're off to the SEC. OU, on the other hand, will have to come up with $80 million themselves, but I'm here to tell you guys that this is not a bad thing at all. If you're an OU fan, you should actually take a big, deep breath, relax, and welcome the fact that for the next few years, you'll be in the Big 12 under Brent Venables, getting the opportunity to work towards playing in the SEC. Because look, if if we're being completely honest about Oklahoma, and especially Texas, do either one, okay, do you, as, as an OU fan, and if you're listening as a Texas fan, right now, how confident are you 
that OU could go into the SEC and not just compete, okay, not just win a few games and beat Arkansas and Vanderbilt and a, a downtrodden Auburn team at this time, but how confident are you right now that if OU had to play Texas A&M, that if OU had to play um, an LSU team that was better, I guess you could throw LSU into that downtrodden Auburn category, but if you had to go play Georgia, if you had to go play Florida, if you had to go play Alabama right now, how confident are you that OU could win those games? I mean, what what are we sitting at? On a scale of 1 to 10, we're all at about a, what, a 5 here? I mean, you and I are about a 5 on that. Yeah, that's right, a 5. So at least with Brent Venables, as he takes OU, which has become a finesse program, not just under Lincoln Riley, but for really about at least the last eight years, OU warped itself into a finesse football program with such a lack of concentration on defensive talent that it it's astonishing to the mind. But as Brent Venables and his new staff, and with Jerry Schmidt, who are all starting spring football here in a few weeks, they get this program where it needs to be physically, where it needs to be talent-wise and competitive, beating up on the Big 12 isn't necessarily a bad thing. The other reason that this is good, and you already know this, and I'm sorry to just pound this into your head again, is because we don't know what's going to happen with the college football playoff. Right now, you've got college football who can't really seem to find its way out, out of a paper bag. Okay, you've got college football, the, the powers that be, the, the, the Big Ten, the, the Pac-12, the AC, really the ACC. They're, they're the main cul- culprit in all this. But you've got this alliance where these people are just afraid to move towards expanding the playoff to, tw- to 12. And they've got some legitimate concerns. Okay, the biggest legitimate concern is whether or not all Power Five conference champions are going to get an automatic bid, which they should. And if you're being honest about that current proposal and the idea that it's the highest six-ranked teams regardless of conference that are conference champions, the highest six-ranked conference champions, Power Five, Group of Five, whatever, get in, no, that shouldn't work for the Pac-12. That shouldn't work for the Big Ten. That shouldn't work for the ACC or the SEC. Big 12 should not have even agreed to it. The Power Five has to flex its muscle. And you say, all right, so all these guys go in. But aside from those concerns, the ACC, they're not real happy with the transfer portal. Coaches are are moaning and complaining about the fact that they're losing guys faster than they can get them in. And you've got the NIL situation, which needs to get under control as well. So as college football decides what it wants to do playoff-wise, and eventually it will expand to 12, it's just not going to happen here overnight. As long as college football continues to go down this path of being indecisive or fighting over this, it works to OU's benefit to stay in the Big 12 because even in this even in this expanded Big 12, even with Lincoln Riley having his head up his butt all season long or thinking about going to California like Led Zeppelin or, or whatever the hell the situation was, we saw an OU team that was one win away from going to the Big 12 championship. And despite all the losses that happened during the offseason, we do know that most likely from top to bottom, OU's got the most talented roster in the Big 12. Now, there's some things that we're going to need to see. We're going to need to find out here over the spring just how good Dylan Gabriel is. 
You figure he's going to look good. He knows Jeff Levy's offense, and that'll be an easy transition. We're going to need to find out, can that defense be better than what it has been, not just under Alex Grinch, but under Mike Stoops as well? And can it withstand some of the losses that it, it, it has suffered here over these last few weeks, most notably a guy like Perry on Winfrey, who finds himself ranked in the NFL Network's top 50. Are we going to see that aggressive defense that Brent Venables has? I'm confident that we will, but that's still probably not good enough to get you in position to win an SEC championship. Now, if you're an astute football fan, and most likely you are, and that's why you're listening to this podcast, and that's why you check out all the content that we have here on Heartland Sports, you'll be quick to point out that the SEC hasn't necessarily been the SEC over the last few years, okay? OU certainly could compete with Ole Miss. I think we're all in agreement on that. OU certainly could compete with all the other teams that we mentioned, Mississippi State, whatever, but you're just not quite where Alabama and Georgia are right now. And for OU fans, and this is one of the rules that we have on our show, when it's your school, you think it's it's, it's a better job than what it actually is. So as an OU grad... You as an OU fan, possibly an OU grad yourself, we're always going to think that OU should be better than what they are. And what does better mean to us? Well, it's simple. Being able to compete with Georgia and Clemson and Alabama and not just competing with them, but being able to beat them, which the last legitimate time that OU had any opportunity to beat an upper, upper echelon SEC team was that Rose Bowl against Georgia, and Lincoln Riley choked it off. And yes, I'm going to blame Lincoln Riley more than I am going to blame Mike Stoops because he took the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hand. No, the defense wasn't great, but we knew the defense wasn't great going into that game. You know, at that point, it's just piling on Mike Stoops. And this is where I will tell you that if you are an OU fan, and over the last few years, you unfortunately fell under the spell of hearing how great an offensive guru that Lincoln Riley was and that he calls all these good plays and how you know certain talk show hosts here in our state will tell you, well, he just puts the defense in, in situations where they have to pick and choose. All that's crap. Because Barry Switzer said it best. It's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes. And what made Lincoln Riley such an effective coach wasn't this offensive genius mind that he supposedly had that got crammed down our throats for five years while he was running OU's program. It's the fact that he had guys as talented as Baker Mayfield, as talented as Kyler Murray, as talented as the plethora of receivers that came through this. And the one undeniable fact about Lincoln Riley and and why we should be doing backflips because he's gone is he didn't give a damn about the defense. Not one. Had a bag full of them. Didn't care. I mean, you can say, well, yeah, but he he fired Mike Stoops and hired Alex Grinch. Okay, Alex Grinch came from the same coaching tree that Lincoln Riley did, which is the Mike Leach tree. Okay, he was in Washington State. Had success when he was at Washington State, where Mike Leach was the coach. And that's one of the reasons why Lincoln, Lincoln Riley brought him down here. Because Lincoln Riley, like Mike Leach, and that's all Lincoln Riley is. Lincoln Riley is nothing more than Mike Leach with a mustache. He's a better-looking Mike Leach. All he cares about is offense. If you're doing your job as a head coach, it's really simple. 
you care about both sides of the ball and spend an equal amount of time with both sides of the ball, and you don't worry about making scripts for the game. You may make scripts for practice, but usually you leave that to your offensive coordinator. A good head coach, any head coach worth his salt, okay? And I understand that this isn't this isn't the hard, fast rule, okay? I'll be a little flexible on this, but any coach worth, worth his salt, any head coach, is a CEO in college. And you leave your play calling up to your coordinators. You don't need to be the coordinator. I, I really honestly will tell you that I don't think Lincoln Riley cared enough about the defense to step in and ever try and truly correct any of the issues that were going on because you fall back into that Mike Leach tree, which is, well, hell, if we can't stop them, we'll just outscore them. And as we've seen with Mike Leach down at Mississippi State, your success is limited. When you do that, your success is limited on how successful you really can be. Maybe you get to the playoffs. Maybe you get to the championship game. But you're not going to win the championship unless you have some sort of balance. And that is being able to be physical on defense as well as offense. That means committing to the inside run drill, which we talk about ad nauseum on the Pat Jones Show, which toughens up the defense. Lincoln Riley didn't know any of this, didn't do any of this. And you're going to have people tell you that he's an offensive genius from now until the day they die because they see these Heisman Trophy winners and they see all this scoring and they see all this receivers. No, Lincoln Riley was a guy that was lucky enough to be at a Blue Blood program, which got you A-plus talent, and he was able to take that talent and, well, quite frankly, underachieve. He did less with more, not more with less. You're listening to the Heartland Sports Network. I'm Eric G. Hey there, it's Pete Mundo, the host of the Heartland College Sports Podcast. By the way, you're listening to Eric G. on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network, which will cover Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and the entire Big 12. Hit that subscribe button if you would, and also leave a rating and a review. It's a great way to help this brand new show out. You guys have helped us build up this podcast network. It's because of you that we can expand it, and uh, we hope that you'll leave a rating and a review and it will also help grow this show as well. Thank you guys for that. Really appreciate it. And let's get more of Eric G. right here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Didn't necessarily mean to get off on a rant there, but when I talk about Lincoln Riley, that blood pressure tends to shoot up quite a bit. So I apologize if I got off on a rant, but I, the bottom line is, is that as an OU fan, um, be excited. Be excited about where this program is heading in the next few years under Brent Venables. And I think when we get to see each other out at the spring football game, we'll obviously have a much better idea of how quickly OU can get to that point where we think they can compete with the upper echelon SEC football teams. I mean, sure, you can go and you can beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State and you know, all these other schools that we've you know already mentioned. Uh, but, you know, you know, it's about competing with Alabama and Georgia because that is the Oklahoma standard. All right, so with that, I want to wrap up the podcast today talking a little bit about Art Bryles, which I get is a dark, is a dark topic, uh, but it's very hard to ignore. Um, considering the fact, especially since he was, you know, he was in an office at Grambling. He was in an office this week. The dude was down there. 
and only Doug Williams saved college football from having to hear his name associated with the sport again. No, Art Bryles does not deserve to coach college football ever again. He forfeited that. He forfeited that right when he was at Baylor and did everything he could to circumvent investigations into his players committing sexual assault. And as my producer Kenneth said before I, I, I stepped in to, to record today, he mentioned the fact, look, you know, Hugh Jackson at Gramley mistook the fact that people actually care about sexual assault and negligence. They care about these things. They don't want it on college campuses. They don't want it anywhere. No sane individual would have wanted Art Bryles anywhere near a college campus ever again. And quite frankly, Hugh Jackson should be fired. If, if Grambling had any stones at all, they'd fire Hugh Jackson as, as well as make sure that Art Bryles was miles and miles away because Hugh Jackson can't look at himself in the mirror and, and justify this. No matter what statement that he put out with his foundation whatsoever, he's lucky he's got a job today, okay? But when it comes to Art Bryles in the Big 12, and I know that there's been an article on our website written about his legacy, I'm not a host that tells you how to feel, okay? I mean, I, you know, I can sit here and tell you you should be happy, but I want you to always take that with a grain of salt. And if you're a Baylor alum and a Baylor fan, I'm not going to tell you how you should look back on the Art Bryles era, how you should feel about that time. And the only thing I can really equate it to in recent OU history is the Joe Mixon thing. And I don't acknowledge that Joe Mixon went to OU. Okay, it bothers me, disgusts me, in fact, that Joe Mixon's picture gets put up on the scoreboard as Sooners in the NFL. Um, The fact that Joe Mixon got to stay after breaking a girl's face in five different places will never sit well with me. And that, look, first of all, that's not the only scandal that has ever happened at the University of Oklahoma, either in the athletic department, uh, academically, whatever. All right, it, it, it doesn't take it doesn't take much more than a Google search to go back and look at some of the other things that have happened at OU through throughout its history. Joe Mixon just happens to be one of those things, but it was an easy remedy that David Bourne screwed up, that Bob Stoops screwed up, that Joe Castiglione, as much as I like and respect him, dropped the ball on. I mean, you kick the you, you break a girl's face in five places, you kick the kid out. And when and how all that relates to Art Bryles is that, you know, I'm hundred percent certain that if you're a Baylor alum, you're probably disgusted by it. And, and there and there is a little bit of conflict from from a Baylor standpoint because that was probably the best era of Baylor football ever. Okay, you're winning Big 12 championships. You're you have an opportunity to get into the first college football playoff. And you probably do if the Big 12 had a championship game or at least at that point had acknowledged either you or TCU as the champion. I don't know. Maybe the maybe the, the brand name or lack thereof a brand name worked against you in some respects. So I get it. I get you You wanted that so bad it happened, and then it's so marred by scandal that a lot of times it, it can, if you've got any sort of self-awareness at all, it, it brings a conflict of feeling. 
And, and for Art Bryles, you know, his legacy at Baylor, his legacy in college football will be that one, will be one who not only just turned a blind eye to sexual assault, but one that didn't care enough to put a stop to it when he had the power and he had the obligation. So him, Ken Starr, everybody else at Baylor at the time, they all suffered the same fate. But Art Bryles, in no way, shape, or form, ever, ever, ever should be on a college campus or a high school campus. And yes, if you forgot, he was actually coaching high school football in Texas not that long ago. But you give up your right. I'll say this much. I mean, if you bring it up, Jeff Levy, yeah, I've got some uncomfortable feelings about that. Got some uncomfortable feelings about that as well. So, you know, I... And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that's just football. No, because it's not just football. It's it's not. We can always do the right thing. Baylor did the right thing by finally getting rid of him, and Art Bryles did the right thing by resigning from Grambling, and Doug Williams did the right thing by speaking up. Hugh Jackson, all eyes are on you now, and if something happens between now and then, you shouldn't be caught off guard whatsoever. That wraps up today's show. I want to thank you uh, for listening. This is the inaugural podcast. Look, we're experimenting here. We'll figure out how to make it different and better every single week. But we'll be back. I I don't know if this is going to drop. I don't know. We'll be back next Wednesday. We'll record next Wednesday. We'll drop on Thursday. So until then, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote the great Don Cornelius, peace, love, and soul.